You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, yo. You know, I didn't even realize what I was doing there when I started playing that song about the time being up. Well, we're going to start with some breaking news. It looks like Dave Hackstall's time is up in Philadelphia. Uh, this is Thomas. You're listening to In the Box. I'm flying solo today and going to get you up today on all the news and notes that happened around the NHL this week. And apparently the biggest news and note is what's happening right now is word out of Philadelphia is that Dave Hackstall um, will be fired. He has not been fired yet. So I don't know what exactly the difference between being fired and going to be fired is going to be. I mean, obviously, I know the difference in just the everyday world, but I'm not sure what's keeping him around for right now. But the word is out of Philadelphia. Dave Haxtell going to be out, which, again, normally when your GM is fired, your your, your coach is kind of, uh, yeah, you're, you're kind of a dead man walking. Um and so far, it's, uh, let's see, multiple sources has told Dave Isaac of uh, the Post Courier that he's headed out. Um, and apparently, it's going to be Joel Quenville. How about this? That Joel Quenville is, uh, but the former Blackhawks bench told Andy Strickland of Fox Sports Midwest that the report he's accepted the job isn't true. So stay tuned to all of this. Uh, Dave Hackstall, apparently, uh, Hackstall out at Philadelphia, and it could very well be Joel Quenville taking over for the Philadelphia Flyers behind that Flyer bench. The Flyers have been, shall we say, disappointing this year, uh, to say the least. They have struggled mightily with a, a pretty solid roster, although, as is always the case in Philadelphia, constant struggles with who's in net and who's going to be successful in net has always plagued this team, but uh, an interesting kind of turn of events here as maybe not an unexpected turn, but still a turn nonetheless. Dave Hackstall going to be out in Philadelphia, potentially being replaced by Joel Quenville, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, let's see. Let's get you some up-to-date standings here. As we even got some games in the books today. As uh, let's see, Bof- Buffalo and Boston actually are just starting a game. The Knights beat the Rangers earlier, and I believe I just saw that Carolina has shut out the Coyotes. So those games in the books, uh, Philadelphia currently last in the East, but ten points back of Boston in chase for the last wild card spot. So I, I, I mean, normally a team that's ten out at this point. It's uh, kind of kind of a kiss of death. You don't really expect them to come back. But, you know, with still 50-plus games to go, plenty of time still left in the season, having said that. So, I mean, if they can make a run, you never know. Uh, new coach, new systems. Uh, it takes time for that stuff to get kind of locked into place. But you never know. So Philadelphia kind of hoping that maybe they can still sav- salvage their season a little bit. Talks that uh, Wayne Simmons may be on his way out. I've heard that that is just one of the possible trade rumors flying around this team. You would think that uh, their captain, Claude Giroux, would be safe just because still a young guy under contract for a long time and still really, really good hockey player. I'm not saying that Wayne Simmons isn't, but still a really, really good hockey player by by way of Claude Giroux. But you, you wonder, well, if you actually if you're bringing in... Uh, 
if Quinville ends up being the choice and he ends up being the coach there, it's very possible that that, that may pull everybody off the market. You give uh, Quinville an opportunity to roll with this squad. Drew in 31 games, 11, 28, 39 points, plus one. Voracek has got 25 points and a minus 12 in 31 games. Couturier with 24 in 29 and a minus four. But that's pretty impressive for Couturier considering, considering he's usually playing against the top lines. Uh, Gasta Spares minus 18, definitely not good. Um, as he's your number one quote unquote shutdown defenseman, Nolan Patrick, 5'5 five, five, and 10. So just a smattering of points there. And uh, apparently, Gritty has not been able to bring the Flyers enough luck as Dave Haxtell reportedly going to be out. And it's possible Joel Quenville could be taken over down there in Philadelphia. So that's the breaking news. Now, what's happened this week? Let's take you back to last Sunday. As we now kind of regroup the show in terms of uh, kind of what's gone on over the course of the week, we'll go day by day here, and we'll start. Actually, let's go ahead and start. Um, last Sunday, report came out or rumors circulating that potentially, with the deal done being done, I should say for Willie Nylander, it's possible that Austin Matthews could be signed to an offer sheet. How about that? Wouldn't that turn things on its head? That the Flames tried with Ryan O'Reilly, and that was matched by the Avs. That was um, last, I believe I saw that in 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. So it's not a trick that's done very often. You know, I remember Detroit kind of used to this as Sergei Fedorov actually was famously signed to an offer sheet by Carolina back in 2008. And luckily for Detroit, or luckily for us fans in Detroit, they matched. Fedorov came back and helped lead the team to the two, 2000 or 1998 Stanley Cup. So uh, it didn't really kill Detroit in that, but a capitalist league, you got to wonder, can somebody be thinking? I mean, it's not outrageous to want to pay Austin Matthews $13 million. Maybe if it's an American team, $13 million American, which is going to be doing a little bit better than what the Leafs can offer in terms of Canadian cash. So that's an interesting possibility there. And it does beg the question is if somebody does do that, can Toronto answer? Um, and if they do, and if it is kind of that high amount, is it potentially a poison pill for the Maple Leafs where if, if they do match the Matthews deal, that it's going to cost them um, Mitch Marner, which I, I know, I'm sure they don't want to lose Mitch as he has been just as good. Well, not just as good, but... He has been very, very good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So keep an eye on that in the coming offseason as it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in Toronto. Let's stay in Toronto. And last Sunday, we talked about the Hyman hit on McAvoy from behind up high to the head after McAvoy had just returned from concussion-like syndromes or had just returned after missing time due to a concussion, I should say. Hyman was suspended two games for his hit. Um, so just to finish that, put a, put a knot on that one. Boston, Toronto, always fun games to see. And I'm sure the next one will be just as enjoyable. Meanwhile, Vladimir Tarasenko coming out, apologizing to St. Louis fans after the team loses a six to one game at home to Vancouver. The, uh, all-star, all-world forward Tarasenko apparently coming out and saying the team needs to be better. They can't let that happen on the road. They need to be better on home ice. And so it'll be very interesting to see 
Uh, if the Blues can turn it around, they've you know it's it seems like they've been talked about all year as you know nearly imploding and and trying to get it back, and then you know two steps forward, one step back. They currently do sit. I believe they are not in the bottom. Chicago just got off an eight-game losing streak, so I would imagine the Blackhawks still sitting at the bottom of the West. But uh, St. Louis, I know, was very close to the bottom. Now they've dug their way. Uh, the Kings and the, the Blackhawks are below them. They've got 28 points in 30 games. Edmonton currently sitting in that second wild card spot, 33 games with 39 points. And as Walt and I will frequently talk about, you know, it's it's good to have games in hand. St. Louis with three, if they can convert them to six points, they're only five down um, at that point. But, you know, normally when you're that far back with the games in hand, that means you got a lot of hockey that you're going to have to play in a very short period of time. And you could potentially, you know, then you got to deal with trying to get, get back at it and get victories in games that may be really close together. So keep an eye out on that for the schedule for the St. Louis blues. But, uh, Interesting kind of turn of events there in St. Louis is uh, coming out to say or coming out trying to light a fire under his team after Jake Allen had said something earlier this year. It's now Vlad Tarasenko trying to say that his team needs to be better and that with any luck they can be better and start uh, maybe turning this season around. But uh, the Blues going to have to do it in a hurry and have to be successful with some of the games that they have in hand against the rest of the, uh, the rest of the league there. So that pretty much covers what I wanted to get to from last Sunday after we went off air. Let's head to Monday with Arizona is going to be, you know, they lose Antti Rantanen. And so far they've come out and said that they're going to stick with what they have. And, you know, the the article that I read and the notes that I read said that it was going to be uh, Kemper's net. But you got to wonder if maybe Aiden Hill with his four wins and, and nine three nine save percentage across a set, over a seven-game stretch might very well Earn himself uh, some starts there in the net for Arizona. Uh, granted, Kemper's overall numbers not terrible. Um, four, five, and two isn't doesn't instill the most confidence, but a nine one four save percentage in his eleven outings during the course of the season that could be the one two uh, one two stretch there that they use the one two grouping that they use down there in Arizona. They also did get Darcy Kemper or um, uh, Kelvin Pickard. Also on that roster, so interesting to see what exactly or how exactly they decide to roll with their lines or roll with their netminders in Arizona. Arizona, you know, they're not um, as far out of it as you know. I think most people tend to assume as they're a spot above Arizona or is there a spot above St. Louis? I'm sorry, they've got 30 uh, points so far on the year. Again, nine behind Edmonton with a game in hand, but so a lot of ground they'd have to make up, but still. Uh, a, a, a a much better season so far, 14-16-2. Remember, this was a team that I don't believe got their first win to almost Thanksgiving last season. The three stars of the week prior came out on Monday. The third star was Johnny Goudreau. In four games, he had two goals, six assists, eight points for the Calgary Flames. Helped lead the team to three victories. Louis Deming, and this is just showing how unfair it might be to be in Tampa Bay right now. Uh... Andre Vasilevsky shelved. I believe he ended up missing about three to four weeks. And then the number three star of the week prior, Louis Domingue, goes 3-0-0 with a 1-3-3 goals against average and a 9-5-7 save percentage in a week where Tampa won all four. 
you, you would think that if anything could kind of slow them down, it might very well be the loss of their netminder, Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, that has not been the case at all as the Sharks continue, or excuse me, I should say the Lightning continue to just roll down there in Florida. And speaking of rolling, the number one star of last week, Elias Pettersson, just has been amazing. Might as well just give him the Rookie of the Year trophy right now. The Calder needs to be on his shelf. In three games last year, two goals, six assists, eight points. Or last week, I should say. Two goals, six assists, eight points. He had his second five-point game of the year. Again, this would have been before the week prior. He has just been absolutely outstanding for the um, Vancouver Canucks, keeping hope alive in Vancouver. They are on the opposite end. They've actually got 35 games played and 34 points. So a lot of spacing between those two wildcard spots. In the West, or excuse me, yeah, in the West, and who's actually got playoff positioning, but um, still can't take it out that uh, between Bozer and um, the rookie Pedersen, future could be a little bit brighter in Vancouver than I think possibly a lot of people thought. How about where an area where teams may not be as bright as they thought? Columbus, who still actually currently sits in the second position in the Metro, six points back of Washington, one ahead of... Uh, Pittsburgh, as they've all played 32 games over there in the Metro right now, and the closest competition being the Islanders, 31 points or 34 points in 31 games, so they're a little clearer there. But still, John Tortorella not happy with his squad. Uh, they had a 4-0 loss to Boston. Um, that was on Monday. Uh, they lose to Washington for nothing, and this came on the heels of losing a 4-1 lead to the Flyers in a game they ended up losing nine to six. So. Um, a rough week for them. Team has really struggled at home, and I think that's part of the reason why why it's been such an issue for them is you know you want to kind of rule home ice, um, and they just haven't done it. Uh, that team is only seven six and one at Nationwide. You need to take advantage of your home ice if you're gonna make a run. And and right now Nashville or excuse me Columbus just sitting currently at six seven and one. Or that was as of a that was as of Tuesday. Uh, now they're eight, seven, and two. So obviously, just still one game better as they apparently went one, one, and walking since Monday. And uh, John Tortorella unhappy with the Jackets, and keep an eye on that situation. As again, Panarin and uh, uh, their netminder Bobrovsky due to come up for free agency at the end of the year. Uh, this may be the last chance with this group for Columbus, and, and they're going to need to get better on on home ice and. Probably just a little bit better overall here if they're going to really hope to make a push this year. We had a fight in the NHL on Monday. That's not unusual. Fight among teammates. That is what does make it a little bit more unusual. Zach Sanford and Robert Bertuzzo got into a fight in St. Louis practice. Again, goes to show how much trouble that the that the Blues have had so far this year. Sanford versus Bertuzzo. It, it looked like Sanford had made some... Had connected with a couple more punches than Bertuzzo, but Sanford got the worst of it in the long term as he was demoted shortly after the fight. Meanwhile, Robert Bertuzzo later in the week signed a three-year extension. So apparently St. Louis, like in the flair showed by Bertuzzo, as he, like I said, gets the extension for uh, the team in St. Louis and a good third pair of defensemen that the that the uh, Blues can trust. And especially with the injury to Alex Pietrangelo, who's going to be out for a little bit. Bertuzzo uh, probably going to be relied on pretty heavy in the next couple of weeks. So apparently he uh, ingratiated himself to his teammates teammates by uh, getting into it with Zach Sanford. 
another teammate of theirs. So, again, interesting story. But Stanford ends up demoted, and Bertuzzo ends up exp- extended. So he kind of takes the wonder out of who exactly is um, at fault or who exactly has got the better of uh, that little exchange there. Uh, let's see, we had a milestone hit on Monday as well. Steven Stamkos, while getting a hat trick and a win over the Rangers, also recorded his 700th career point. Congratulations to Steven Stamkos uh, getting .700 and doing it in style uh, with a hat trick. Stamkos, we'll, we'll talk, to, talk about him a little bit later on, too, as he had a quote about the playoff format. But uh, Stamkos, like I said, .700. Uh, 701 points in 697 games played. And this year, 33 points in 33 games played. So uh, that's pretty consistently a point-per-game guy. And a guy who's had some injury problems both in the playoffs and in the regular season. But good to see that he maybe has gotten a lot of those worked out. Played 78 games last year. Has not yet missed the game this year. So hopefully Steven Stamkos got all that worked out. He was uh, a rock early in his career. Um, only missing three games his rookie year. Uh, played all, let's see, played 82 three in a row. Then uh, 48 in the strike shortened year. That was followed by seasons of 37. Followed that up with an 82 and 77 game season. But then a 17 game season in 16 17. As he's had some injury issues. But again, point per game player. Uh, Steven Stamkos, 28 years old. If he can keep this going for uh, basically another eight years, you're looking at a guy that's going to be. Probably pushing for 1,500 career points, if, especially if he's playing full seasons over the course of the next eight years. And a congratulations again for Stamco, to Stamkos for that. Let's go ahead to Tuesday now. Willie Nylander finally gets on the score sheet for Toronto as he gets two assists after signing that big deal in uh, a 4-1 victory over the Canes. And that Willie Nylander deal and makes Toronto a very dangerous team as they currently sit in, uh, currently as of now, not even as of Tuesday, currently now sit as second in the Atlantic. They are seven points behind the Lightning. Again, the Lightning nine and one in their last 10. I mean, the Leafs have been very good, six, two and two in their last 10. So nothing to, sh- nothing to sneeze at, but <laughs> it just goes to show you need to be, that's how good they have to be is Tampa Bay may already be setting themselves up for a, a number one overall seed. They, as we said, 33 games amongst Toronto, uh, Tampa, and Buffalo. 51 points there. Washington leading the Metro with 43. So they're pretty much seven points clear of any close competition down there in Tampa. Also announced on Tuesday that Bob Cole will get his last Hockey Night in Canada game. Will be the Leafs versus Canadiens on April 6th. I think that's pretty much really... Really fitting. <laughs> I don't know if you can ask for anything more besides uh, Bob Cole doing Leafs, Canadiens, April 6th. Make sure you, you get yourself in front of a TV. Find yourself some CBC for that one. Um, anybody that's grown up in this area and that had CBC grown up, it's almost you almost heard Bob Cole and Hockey Night in Canada more than you heard about the Red Wings, really, for a stretch of time there in the early 90s. I know that's one of my first exposures to hockey was Bob Cole, so... Congratulations to him on a marvelous career. Saw photos of him and being in Edmonton earlier in the week. Also uh, getting honored there for doing one of his last games there. I believe he's already done his last game in, I believe it was either Ottawa or Montreal. 
where he got a standing ovation as well. So congratulations to Bob Colon again. Announced that his last game on Hockey Night in Canada will be April 6th. I'm going to put that on the calendar to be sure I tune into that one. Had a very dangerous moment on Tuesday, but then I remembered we're talking about hockey players here, so that kind of deals away. That That's how you handle... Uh, uh, dangerous isn't really in a hockey player's vocabulary. Uh, David Backus took a skate to the face from Oliver Ekman Larson in the first period of the game between the Bruins and the Arizona Coyotes. So Backus fell down to both knees, ended up skating off, regrouping, skating off on his own, and returned for the start of the second period. So how many people, when they get cut with a blade in the face, are going to be able to return <laughs> not only in the same game, but... uh Pretty much the start of the next period. So I don't know if we should really be surprised that it happened for a hockey player. But David Backus, potentially dangerous moment, obviously ended up being okay as he returned later in that same game. Also, the 21st career hat trick of the career of, in the career, I should say, of Alex Ovechkin came against the Detroit Red Wings as he would light the lamp three times in their 6-2 victory over Detroit. We'll get into that slightly. We might change the format here in the second after the break here. Might be so... You know, last week, heavy just because it was kind of a brutal week for Detroit, kind of take an in-stock look of where the Red Wings are and just kind of an overview of where they were over the course of the last four games and who did what. But uh, again, credit to Alex Ovan- Alexander Ovechkin as he recorded his 21st career hack trick in the victory against the Detroit Red Wings. That brings us up to Wednesday where Matt Murray was activated off of IR as the Penguins get their number one netminder back, who has not really played like a number one netminder this season. A 4-5-1 record, a 4-0-8 goals against average, and an 8-7-7 save percentage. Some bad, bad numbers for Matt Murray, but hopefully now that he's healthy, or I think the hope has got to be now that he's healthy, can he start uh, finding um, the 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 power and ability that he had, um, really, he already had throughout the course of his career, basically making Mark Andre Fleury a, a potential Hall of Fame netminder expendable. It was his great play that had the um, that had Mark Andre Fleury available to be drafted, and and I know he they've got to be hoping that he can regu- uh, regain that that ability that he's shown throughout the early part of his career. He actually did not play on Wednesday as the Hawks beat the Pens to end an eight-game losing streak. So uh, the Pens, sounds like that they, they they get Murray back just in time. Chris, uh, Tristan Jari was actually, I believe, sent down to Wilkes-Barre with the return of Matt Murray. Also on the injury front that came out Wednesday, Kevin Shantenkirk to miss two to four weeks with a shoulder injury. Get this, in the article that I read about it, he is sixth on the club amongst blue liners in average ice time. Sixth. A guy that's making over $6 million is sixth in average ice time. He's collected eight points in 29 games, and now he's going to hit the shelf for the next two to four weeks. Um, the Rangers, you know, they're kind of kind of where the wings are, just kind of treading water, flipping on a re- rebuild. They got two games in hand on Detroit, but with the same amount of points, 33. Um, five points out of a playoff spot. So not a terrible place to be, 14-5-3. So they're, they're, they're kind of keeping their heads slowly above water. They've only got nine uh, row out of their 14 overall wins. So they have been living with the shootout, going 5-1 and one in the skills competition. But uh, the Rangers probably would be having a much better year 
pro- no probably about it, would be having a much better year if the Kevin Shattenkirk that they signed ended up being the Kevin Shattenkirk that they were getting on the ice. Shattenkirk was injured after he suffered a big hit from JT Miller of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have another milestone uh, alert uh, that occurred on Wednesday as Ryan Gitzlaff scored his 900th career point with the Anaheim Ducks, all 900 of them with the Ducks of Anaheim. And uh, Kasha also getting his his first hat trick in that game as the Ducks came back to beat the Dallas Stars. Currently, the Ducks sitting in a playoff position out west. They are the second team in the Pacific, while the Stars currently sitting two spots back. They are the four, what would be the fourth seed if there were four wildcard seeds, but they're only four points away from Edmonton and San Jose, who both have 39 points. The Wilds currently sit right in between them. We'll get to the standings and a little bit more than that. Some some of the stats, too, overall around the league, who's really kind of surprising stuff in the second half hours. We're going to, or a second hour here, or, or after the break, I should say, is we're going to mix it up a little bit here on In the Box. Thursday, a lot of news and notes from around the league that day. Hurricanes having a Whalers night on the 23rd against the Bruins. They're going to be wearing the green jerseys down there in, in Carolina for the game against Boston. They're actually going to wear them, too, for the game uh, in Boston in March. So they're going to get two uses out of them as Carolina remembering their roots. And the team also voted for their old gold song, goal song to be played in that weekend or in that series. So it, uh, a big, big kind of return to the Hartford days and era for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes as they kind of remember their roots um, as the Hartford Whalers, um, more conversation came up about the the playoff format and a little bit of a questioning of whether or not it it was it's basically hated or not. Um, you know, Steve Stamkos came out this week. We mentioned this before. Thought that the one to eight was more logical. Um, but you know, it doesn't have a, a major problem with it. But really, didn't you know? Thought that this was more logical and kind of Nazem Kadri and John Tavares kind of agreed. And, and really what their situation could be is like right now, if you were go, to go one through eight and, and not even, you know, just have the division winners make the playoffs, not have a, a, the both division winners guaranteed one, two right now, Toronto would be the number two seed yet. They under the current, under the current system. Well, let, let's take a step back. Toronto would be the two seed, and right now they would then be playing, looks like they'd be going up against Pittsburgh or Columbus, who at 37 points would be the seven seed. Instead, because of the divisional format, they're going to have the Buffalo Sabres, whose 43 points would really make them at a tied for the fourth best team with Washington, or tied for the third best team, I beg your pardon, with the Capitals. So, uh, yeah, I I could see why Toronto... A team that's struggling to find a way to get out of the first round would love, love, love to see this switch. Um, but so far, it looks like that they're going to stay kind of where they are. Um, or as the playoff format, I should say, is what it is. It's going to be a, 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 le- a whole heap of trouble potentially for Toronto if they end up having to square, square off against Buffalo. But I guess both teams can be happy about the fact that they will for sure keep the travel down, if nothing else. Um, this comes on the heels of last year in March of 2017. I'm sorry, Daniel Winnick came out and said that he thought it was, quote-unquote, the stupidest thing ever. 
which was a year after Sidney Crosby said that he wasn't a big fan of it. So we'll see if enough of the griping from some of the stars of the NHL will force them to change uh, the current playoff standings. A um, bunch of injury news happened on Thursday, both good and bad. Uh, Eli Tolvanen from Nashville was sent back to Milwaukee. He played four games, had two assists with the big club. His return marked um, to Milwaukee meant the return of Cal Turris back to the everyday lineup as one of the forwards out for Nashville does get back into the lineup. Nashville was able to thwart kind of, or, or able to, I should say, stay on top of the central division. Colorado right there, Winnipeg too, but you know, with all the injuries, is at one point they were without Arvidsson and uh, Forsberg, Subban and Turris, an opportunity to free fall, but they stay at 6-4 and four in their last 10, and they currently stay on top of the Central Division um, with 50, 45 points. Calgary beat them earlier in the week to actually take over um, the top spot in the entire conference, but since Nashville... Has regained that spot, helped by a two to one victory yesterday against New Jersey. Other injury news from Thursday: Alex Pietrangelo. Uh, um, let's see here. Looks like he had he had hand surgery. He was placed on IR retroactive to December third, um, and that he's going to be reevaluated at Christmas. This came on the heels of a report, as Walt was telling me. Uh, as we talked there, uh, as we usually talk during most weeks, and turns out that, uh, well, wait a minute, I'm sorry, just this breaking news coming in here. Flyers uh, have now denied report claiming Hackstall has been fired and Quinville's been hired. So that's interesting. Uh, they have denied report. Uh, let's see, with a spokesperson telling Sam Tracetti of the Inquirer that the organization had nothing new to report. Um, interesting. So keep an eye on that. Maybe Dave Hextall not out. Maybe we're going to get a little bit more chance. Now, here's what I don't understand. If he's going to be out or if you're undecided, I mean, you might as well actually just make it happen, right? I mean, don't you just, I mean, isn't this the the moment where, uh, you, you do it while you still potentially could have, a um, I don't know, could have potentially the option to 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 perhaps save your season with 50 games left to go and a, and a great court and a great uh a really good team down there uh or a team in Philadelphia that's yeah they're 11 back but could possibly still have their season saved interesting so keep an eye on that situation down there in Philadelphia uh one more a little bit of uh uh injury news that happened on Thursday Andrew Vasilevsky returned to the lineup uh, less than basically a week after Louis Domingue gets, gets player of the week, Vasilevsky returns to the everyday lineup. And how about this? He makes a career-high 48 saves and a 4-1 to victory over Toronto. And he made the highlight reel save on Patrick Marlowe that I think most of you probably saw, both getting the pad over to make the original and then kind of kicking the pad to get the secondary save. Pretty remarkable stuff as I guess the thing to do is throw your just newly healthy netminder to the Wolves, let him jump in and just get used to it as he was back, but he is clearly back in full form as he made 48 saves again in the Fort of Vaughan victory over the Leafs to keep that squad, as we said just a moment ago, well in control of the Atlantic Division. 
on Friday, vote of confidence potentially, as Oilers CEO Nicholson gave GM uh, Peter Chiarelli a vote of confidence, conditional vote of confidence. If the team makes the playoffs, there's a real good chance that uh, Chiarelli will keep his job, and the hiring of Ken Hitchcock may very well be what helps him, as Hitchcock and the Oilers 8-2-2 two two since Kenny Hitchcock took over, and the Oilers now back in the playoff in a playoff position as it stands right now. They currently sit as the second wild card, three points clear of the Minnesota Wild, and tied with the San Jose Sharks, for who currently sit in the first wild card position, eight one and one overall uh, since in the last ten. And remember, one of those games in that eight one and or eight two and two stretch, Connor McDavid did not play or did not play. Um. I read some of the quotes that Nicholson had um, about Trelly, spoke mostly in positive terms, so that's a good sign. But again, the Oilers would be well advised to make the playoffs um, if they like to have, if they, uh, Peter Shirelli, uh really wants to keep his job over there in Edmonton. I had some injury news come out of Detroit as well on Friday as it was announced that Mike Green has been out three to, will be out three to five weeks with a lower body injury. Really, he's probably been the Wings' best defenseman, most playing the most minutes so far this season. Chalowski not far behind him. Um, and, and you know, uh, they're going to call up Philip Peronik has been called up. And he needs to be better than his first trip up here, although there was really no veteran defense kind of in the Red Wing lineup at the time of the season, at the early point of the season when Heronik was out there with Chalowski and Jensen, Crownwall, and, and all the other youngsters playing the point. And they really couldn't even get into the groove of the season because it was so early into the year. Um, so we'll see how Heronic, if he does get into the lineup or if he's just kind of a an emergency call-up, we'll see how he does do uh, in the lineup now for Detroit if he does get called in. Uh, but a, a loss, big loss for Detroit. And, you know, a team that, again, fringe playoff as of right now, a team that's not deep enough to experience injuries. They're still playing without Mantha, still playing without Helm. Um Erickson has been in and out of that lineup with due to health, and now they lose Green three to fo- uh, three to five weeks, calling up Peronic. You know, I said it last week, and I hated to be the bearer of bad news, but I said it last week. Potentially, the wheels could come off for Detroit real soon, especially with the schedule that they have right after the holiday. And I don't know, worried about that being the case, but we'll see. Plenty of time still left here in the season. On the good injury front, Paul Stasny returned to the Vegas lineup after missing 30, 30 games. He was hurt in Game Three. And now the, the Golden Knights, who kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate, starting to find their footing. They're currently sitting at third in the Pacific, only four points behind Calgary for the first position. And they've started to kind of get hot here. They got the victory today over the Rangers, 4-3, to three, as we mentioned. And they are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. Now, sadly, or unluckily for them, Calgary is 8-1-1 one and one in their last 10, while Anaheim is 8-2 and two in their last 10. So, uh... That Pacific Division warming up quite nicely. That's how San Jose and Edmonton have found themselves outside. Well, San Jose, at least anyway, as they are just 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. Edmonton has also been red hot, as we mentioned just a moment ago. And with uh, Stasny returning to the lineup, Patch already, and then that top line there as well, they just got a lot deeper over there in the desert. Couple of well, this wasn't really so much as a milestone as it was a feel-good moment here as Derek Stepan. 
The former Ranger playing in Arizona gets the OT game winner to help the Yotes sink the Rangers. That had to be a sweet feeling for him as he was traded out of New York. And how about back-to-back hat tricks for Alexander Ovechkin? Is on thir- Friday, he would get, after getting the hat trick on Tuesday against Detroit, he'd followed up with a hat trick on Friday. Back-to-back hat tricks, his 22nd of his career. Let's take you up to yesterday. As word came out, Patrick Berglund going to be suspended indefinitely. He missed two games due to illness, but not, has not yet since reported. Apparently, the former St. Louis Blue, now Buffalo Sabre, I guess he didn't like being traded to Buffalo or doesn't really like his spot in the lineup since being traded to Buffalo. Not really sure what the story is there, but Berglund now has been suspended indefinitely for failing to report to the Sabres. And you'd think a, a motivated and good Patrick Berglund could be really good for that Sabres squad, but they are not getting that from Patrick right now. Also, the Wild and Flames, boy, they really don't like each other. Carry over from a, a late hit in a game that Matt Dumba had. That led to a fight as the game was winding down in Calgary. There were three fights in a Flames win over the Wild. That game taking place yesterday. As the Flames beat the Wild two to one, uh, excuse me, that game was again in Calgary. Um, again, this was partly a a, um, a continuation from when these last te- uh, the last time these two teams played. Uh, let's pull up here the the information. I want to make sure you get it. Uh, we get it right to you. Uh, let's see. Uh, full coverage. Uh, let's see. <laughs> you had to fight for your chances. Well, that wasn't the only thing that they had to fight for. Um, uh, well, so it was physical, but apparently I can't get what I needed uh, out of it. Game with one thirty. Let's see. Denver left. I thought we played pretty well. All right. Let's go to. We're gonna have to go to the box score, I guess. Fine. Be that way. I know there were three fights in the game. I know things didn't go well, and I can't find what exactly happened. And I know it was a hit by Dumbo, who ended up actually, oddly enough, not even finishing the game as he. Went out with 133 to go in the first and did not return due to an undisclosed injury. Mm, so now let's take a look here. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Quite the penalty list. It says Kachuk and Dumba actually kicked off the game 40 seconds in with their with a fight as uh, the two teams were wry early. And then Hendricks and Giordano went before the end of the period. And then Sam Bennett and Ryan Suter. Some names there that you don't necessarily expect there to be a lot of fighting. Uh all of that in the first period, so clearly it was uh, just kind of messages being sent, and then after it was, I guess everybody just kind of settled in, and they just went to to play the game as the Flames would get past the Wild with a late goal. It was uh, Braden Kachuk um, getting the late goal to help lead, um, or excuse me, Matthew Kachuk, I beg your pardon, with scoring the third. David Ritchie made 34 saves as the Flames would get the 2-1 to victory over the Wild yesterday. Um, let's see here. In the injury news, it was announced that the Oilers' cleft bomb would be in a, out six to eight weeks with uh, finger surgery in Edmonton. Or while we were talking about Calgary a moment ago, a lot of news out of Calgary. Uh, Michael Backlund is he's back off of IR while uh, Reichel is going to be recalled. 
Backlund had 17 points in 28 games before, or in 29 games before he went down to injury. And like I said, back off of IR. Expect to see him soon. They sent uh, the goaltender Colton Gillies and Medjapania forward to Stockton. And that move of Gillies going back to Stockton signals that Mike Smith could be ready to return for the Calgary Flames. We had a couple more uh, milestones reached on Saturday as well as Alexander Ovechkin would score yet again a 14-game point streak and seven goals in his last three games. I tell you, the older he gets, he wins a cup, and Ovechkin seems to be just as good as he has always been. Ovi, like we said, 14-game point streak, longest of his career, and a seven goals in a three-game stretch for the all-world captain of the Washington Capitals. And remember, the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Alexander Barkov scored a hat trick to help lead the Florida Panthers to a win over the Leafs. Florida, who had that ridiculously tough start to the season. Uh, They lost Roberto Luongo for a stretch, trying to rebound. They're up to 30 points um, in 31 games, just 4-4-2. So about five. that's about as 500 as you can get. And uh, Ovi has tallied goals in six straight games. We jump back to Alexander Ovechkin real fast. So, uh, so interesting stuff there. And and how about this? Uh, also, some other things that have come out. Well, you know, we'll hold up right there. So let's let's leave it right there for a moment. Finish off some of the news from yesterday. Um, uh, Anti Rantanen has reached the 50, 50 point mark for Colorado. The Evs have completed uh, 33 games, ranting with 50 points. That puts them on pace for, let's see, they'll have 66 after 100, or 100 after 66. He could be on pace for about 125 points if he keeps this up. That would be impressive. And when was the last time we saw 155 points in a year? It's been a good long while since that's been the case. That's for sure. Uh, and then Claude Julien, congratulations to him, as he will win his 600th game yesterday as the Habs beat. The Senators. Um, other news here is uh, kind of from around the league or, or from the early action here. The aforementioned Peter Stasny, or Paul Stasny, I should say. He's the first Golden Knight in team history to score a goal and also to be named Paul. So the Vegas Golden Knights um, in team history to score a goal and also... <laughs> The Golden Knights Twitter just does such a fantastic night. Stasny stat. He's the first Golden Knight in team history to score a goal and also be named Paul. So uh, congratulations to Stasny. As we said, returning after missing 30, and now he returns to the score sheet in that victory over the Rangers. And also uh, Alex Tuck got the game winner as the overtime winner for for Vegas as he tucked, no, no pun intended, well, I guess actually pun intended, as he slipped it past. Henrik Lundqvist for the win there. And Mrazek gets the shutout in the victory over the Coyotes as we still have and are trying to figure out what's going on with Dave Haxtell. That kind of catches you up about the week that was in the NHL. Folks, we're going to step aside and we come back. Got some very little couple of different things as we're not going to focus too much on the week that was around the Red Wings. The score put out a, a potential listing for the Seattle squad. What their Roster could look like, obviously it's ridiculously too early, but boy, that's still fun to talk about. So we'll go ahead and do that. Take an in-depth look at the league leaders. You know, we haven't really done that in a while. We know that Antti Rantanen's really tearing it up, but who else is really tearing it up? And then we'll also take a look at, though we won't go 
over the course of each game, we'll take a look and see overall numbers here for what the Wings have done, both the team and the, uh, excuse me, both the team has done both this over the course of the week and over the season. Folks, stay tuned. You're listening to In the Box. We're coming back with more after this important timeout. Yeah, we went with Highway to Life for you twice. Why not? You can never have too much Prince, can you? I mean, honestly, can you? I don't think you can. Welcome back to In the Box. Tom is flying solo today, so happy to have you with us here as we break down some of the news and notes and what's going on and happenings in the NHL. Let's bring it, spin it home like we always like to do and talk a little bit about our Detroit Red Wings in the week that was. And it was not a good week. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Four games since we were last on air last Sunday. They only get three possible point, three of the eight possible points going one, two, and one. They did not look good against the Kings team, but they were lucky enough to get the victory there. Um, big, big, uh, Big, big blowout at the hands of the Capitals on Tuesday, as I believe it was 5 nothing before Detroit finally uh, got on the scoreboard in that one. A close loss to Ottawa uh, with an empty netter included in there on a game on Wednesday, or a game on Friday, and then being drastically outshot in a game on Saturday against the Islanders. Just all in all, pretty rough week for the Detroit Red Wings. They scored 10, gave up 14, so on a goal-by-goal basis, it doesn't sound that terrible. It's in four games, you outscored by four. They did get one win, but then they also lost. Uh, they had the being outscored by four in the game against the Capitals. They were outshot 148 to 107 in that stretch. They were one for five on the power play, 20%. Okay, that's fine. But they gave up eight, or excuse me, four shorthanded goals in only 12 attempts. So that's at 66.7% for the PK. That's not going to get it done at any level on any time. But the good news is they did win 53.9% of their faceoffs, And I say that because I really feel like this team has done a, a very nice job um, overall for, um, you know, who the, the um, what am I trying to say, in faceoffs this season. Um, I, I just feel like the team has had, you know, for what, you know, we do the game by a game look. And I really feel like um, that Detroit has done a, a very, very good job um, in that stretch or in this stretch um, so far this season in terms of overall uh, kind of win-loss numbers here. And, and let's take a look at who did what just over the course of these four games. Detroit was led offensively. Now, um, maintain your shock here. Dylan Larkin had three goals. Gustav Nyquist with two. Chalowski, Daly, Glenn Denning, Nielsen, and Vanek each with one. Um, assists, three for Vanek, two for Tyler Bertuzzi, Andreas Athanasiu, Nick Cronwell. One each for Christopher N. Ablocator, Jensen, Rasmussen, De La Rose, Franz Nielsen, Nyquist, and Larkin. Overall points, it was a four-point week for Vanek and Larkin in the four games. They um, both played all four games. Nyquist would have a three multi-point, or a multi-point week with three points. Bertuzzi, Athanasiu, Cronwell, and Nielsen with 
um, multi-point weeks with two points apiece there. Plus minus Trevor Daly, plus three Justin Ablocator, plus two. That's what you want to see as those are the guys that you you you, you really want to see get better. Hermonic has cracked the lineup, and he was minus one over the course of the set of games. Nick Jensen was minus three. Tyler Bertuzzi and Martin Furk, minus two, kind of the low numbers for Detroit. Again, they gave up a lot of penalty minutes. That's part of the reason why. The power play goal went to Gustav Nyquist. Uh, let's see, nothing for the shorthanded for Detroit. Big shot leader is what you want to see. Dylan Larkin, Gustav Nyquist, Andreas Athanasiu leading the team in shots. Uh, 18, 14, and 9 down the line in order. Time on ice per game. How about this? Dylan Larkin was even more than the defenseman. 22-18 in the four games. And he averaged 25.5 shifts per game. Trevor Daly was second on the team with 22.03 per minute. Uh, 22, uh, 22.03 per game. Uh, that works. And he saw 29 shifts. Chalowski was over 20 and well as, as well as Nicholas Cronwall being over 20 minutes per game this week. On the low end, Witkowski, Ferk, and De La Rose, the only three wings averaging under 11 minutes a night. Face-off percentage, uh, Rasmussen won his, uh, I believe it was his one draw, and he won it. Uh, and Glenn Denning, Larkin, Nielsen, all over 100%, or over 50%. De La Rose, Bertuzzi, Vanek, and Athanasiu under 50% in terms of overall face-off victories. Let's go all year now for the Red Wings here, and Kind of update you with where this team is. Let's see. When was opening night? I want to say that was the ninth. So I don't want to get you. I don't want to add any uh, preseason stats here. Uh, let's see. 31. That doesn't sound right. I think I'm leaving some games out. 31. Detroit has played 34. So let's back that up a week. Backing it up. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. Up. Uh, so we said the ninth. It probably started. Let's go with the third and run this report. NHLs.com does a great job with uh, reports and taking a, a look at um, how you can look at uh, the various uh, stats from around the league. Um, Detroit currently being led um, by Dylan Larkin, 14 goals in his 34 games. The only other double uh, digit goal scorer Andreas Athanasiu with 11, although I feel like he's been held off the s- score sheet for quite a few games as he's had a bit of, dry, bit of a dry spell. Mantha, who's been out, I believe he's missed, I don't know, he's missed seven on the year. I think that's all has to do with this stretch. Um, he's got nine as well as Tyler Bertuzzi and Gustav Nyquist, who had was slow on the goal scoring front. He's now jumped his way up to nine. And then there's a group of wings, five wings with five goals. Nielsen, Chalowski, Ablocator, Glenn Denning, and Rasmussen. Remember, Nielsen had three of those in one game. Meanwhile, on the assist front, boy, in years past, you probably would have been shocked to hear that Gustav Nyquist was leading the Red Wings in assists. He's got 21 so far on the year. Dylan Larkin with 18, Franz Nielsen with 15, Green with 13, and then 10 for Thomas Vanek. Those are the only guys with double digits. Coming up close, Bertuzzi and Anthony Seawich with 9, Chalowski with 8, Cronwall with 7. So you go in order of points, double-digit point getters. Larkin leads the team with 32 points and only a minus 2, which isn't bad considering you're playing uh, 
21 and almost 2140 a night and you're only minus team 2 on a team that's got a pretty se- severe goal differential so that's good to see um Nyquist has 30 points while Athanasiu and Nielsen the only other players with over 20 points so Detroit they could use some scoring that is to say the least they could really use some more scoring out there each and every night power play points Chalowski leading the team with Nyquist, they both have seven. Larkin is next with six. Power play goals. Rasmussen's got three of his goals on the power play, and his Walt has not been shy about telling you. He, in juniors, that's exactly what he did. Scored a lot of goals on the power play, and in his limited ice time and action, he does lead the wings with three points on the power play. Um, let's see here. Shorthanded points, Larkin with three. Helm with one. He's also hopefully going to be coming back from injury soon. Uh, Dylan Larkin, three game-winning goals, two each for Tyler Bertuzzi and Franz Nielsen. And overtime goals. How about this? Three for Larkin, one for Athanasiu, one for Gusoff Nyquist. Total shots, it's not even close. Larkin leads by 23-9. and nine. He leads by 32 total shots. Shooting percentage, though, that award goes to Tyler Bertuzzi as he has... Uh, a 20% shooting percentage, scoring nine on just 45 shots. Ice time per game, the leader, Mike Green, he's out. Uh, but then next you get Dylan Larkin with his 21-39. Mike Green at 21-17. Or excuse me, Danny DeKaiser at 21-17. Got to keep him in the lineup. He's also a plus four. So DeKaiser, pretty good uh, numbers there. Only one other Red Wing averaging 20 minutes a night. How about this? Would you have guessed it was Nick Jensen? And how many guesses would you have had to have made before you got to Nick Jensen? But he's minus six on the season. Uh, one shorthanded point on the year as he averages 20 even. The low low man, Wade May- Megan with 752. Luke Witkowski, Ferk, and N all below 10 minutes a night. Let's see here. There's a quick way to go. Maybe there's not. I thought that the goaltenders were an option here. Uh, skating summary. Nope. Here we go. Goalie summary. Let's take a look at what the goaltenders have done. Jimmy Howard is 10-7-4 and four on the year with a 2-6-9 goals against average. And a save percentage of nine twenty two. Jonathan Bernier on the year four eight and one. His goals against average at three five nine. His save percentage currently at eight ninety. That kind of gives you a look at where the Red Wings are statistically speaking. You like that? A little extra emphasis on statistically. Statistically speaking, through their first thirty five games so far this year. Overall leaderboard. Let's take a look at this here. As we have not done this in a while, just taking a look and see who's leading the league doing what. So I always I always find here because you can see who may be surprised. Like who don't you expect to see? And all of a sudden, wow, there they are. So in goal score outlet. No, 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 no. I don't want to do points first. I want to do goals first. So the league leader in goals. Are you ready for this? Da 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 da. Drum roll, please. Let's see. Where do we find something 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 shocking? Not at number one. Alex Ovechkin's twenty nine goals so far in thirty two games. By far the lead. Lead. He is six clear of Patrick Line, who is second. Remember, Line had that tough start, and then he got white hot in the month of November, and he currently sits at twenty three. 
Now, here's where your first surprise comes in. I don't know if anybody would have expected Jeff Skinner to be currently sitting at number three, and but he currently is with 22 goals. Four players have 21, Pasternak, Landeskog, and McKinnon. Those names, not really a surprise, but how about Braden Point from the Lightning? You hear about Stamkos and all the others, but it's actually Braden Point who leads the Tampa Bay Lightning in goals as he's got the 21 on the year. And a group of guys with 20, Mark Scheifele, Sean Monahan down there, in, or I should say up there in Calgary, John Tavares, who's been great for Toronto so far, and Joe Pavalski, old steady, 20 goals, only seven assists for Pavalski, but he's there as well. And then how about the next tier of guys, kind of in that 19 to 15 range, and this is where you're going to see start hearing a, a spread of names, Cam Atkinson, Connor McDavid, he's pretty good. Timo Meyer, who was actually tied for the le- uh, league-leading goals for a while, it's cooled off a little bit. Kyle Palmieri with New Jersey's got 17. Austin Matthews has got 16, but that's just in 19 games played. Jonathan Taves in a bounce back here has got 16. As does Elias Peterson. He's got his 16 and 29 as he missed a handful of games. Elias Lindholm out there in Calgary, who was part of that Carolina deal, making himself fit right in at home. Mark Stone from the Senators. He scored a couple against the Wings. Dreisaitl. Kreider um, wrap up the 16-goal club, and then a group of guys with 15. This is a long list, and again, pretty much the the usual suspects pretty much sitting in there at 15. Kreider, Parisi, Horvat, Hoffman, Stamkos, Crosby, Kane, and Ratnan. The highest Red Wing on the list, Dylan Larkin's 14, is good for Ishk, 35th in the NHL. Who are the best setup men? How about this? Miko Rantanen. We talked about it a few minutes ago. He had 50 points, uh, hit the 50-point mark earlier in this week. How about this? He's up to 56 now, which double that, he'd be at 112 at, after 66 games. Just He is on an unbelievable tear. And his line mate, Nathan McKinnon, is fifth. And where's the other line mate, who I'm sure isn't that far behind? Mm, I had to have missed him, right? McKinnon, where is Gab Landeskog? See, two in the top 10. And Landeskog is at 49 with 40 points. (laughs) Yeah, where's he at? Oh, I'm sorry. It's because I got it by assists. I'm sorry. So Rantanen's one in assists. McKinnon's fifth in assists. And then down at the bottom, quote unquote, bottom, 49th. 19 assists for Landeskog. Let's run through the top here. Miko Rantanen, Blink Wheeler is second with 38. Mitch Marner with 35 is third. Kucherov has 34. McKinnon with 31. John Carlson, highest defenseman, as he's got 30. I wonder if playing with Ovechkin helped. Nicholas Backstrom has got 30 as well. I wonder if playing with Ovechkin on the power play helps. Hubert Owen, Florida with 29, as long with Jack Eichel, Johnny Goudreau, and Connor McDavid. 28 for Mark Giordano, the next highest defenseman on the list. And Claude Giroux, who may or may not have a new coach by the end of today. Brent Burns and Thomas Chabot, the next two defensemen up, as they have 27 and 26 respectively, with Dreisaitl at 26. Panarin, Malkin, Morgan Riley round out the top 19 with 25. Actually, rest around out the top 22 as 24 assists so far on the year for Keith Yandel, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Matthew Kachuk. So, overall point leaders, let's get this order here. Two guys with over 50, that would be Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. Are you kidding me with that? Two guys in the top one, two, they are teammates, and their running buddy, their other line mate, is at 14 
and Gabriel Landeskog. That is impressive. Landeskog got the best plus minus of all of them, so go figure that one out. McDavid is third with 48. Kucherov is fourth with 47. Then we start to see even more separation as a group has 43. That is Wheeler, Marner, Shifley, the probably the best superstar in the NHL that nobody's ever heard of, um, Alex Ovechkin. 42 points each for Gujiro and Drysettle, 41 for Point Nichol, and Backstrom and Landeskog round out the 40-point club. Again, just to kind of show you where the wings are in this, it was, I believe, the 20 assists for Nyquist, at, or he's got 21 now, has got him at 37th in the NHL to be the leading wing in terms of assist, in terms of uh, comparison, compared to the league, and then Larkin's 32 points is 42 overall. Plus minus a stat, take it for what it's worth, but it is Carlson, Landeskog, Kempney, Giordano, and Brody from Calgary leading the charge there at the top five. Leading the league in penalty minutes, Brad Marchand. Ooh, who's shocked? Come on, somebody's got to be shocked that Brad Marchand leads the NHL in penalty minutes, right? Yeah, that's really not true at all. As he is just the biggest pest out there. Points per game. Now, this is an interesting one because this doesn't, you know, ha- you know, rules out. You know, Matthews wasn't really high on the overall points because he missed so many games. But you go points per game, top 10 there. Miko Rantanen at 1.7. Nathan McKinnon at 1.58. McDavid with 1.5 points per game. Kucherov 1.42 along with Austin Matthews. So Matthews, who was low on the total points. And then putting himself in the top 10 if you're just looking at a point-per-game meter. Bergeron, Wheeler, Shifley, Ovechkin, and Marner round out the top 10. All of those guys with over 1.3 points per game. Power play goal king right now. That would be Patrick Laine as he's got 10. David Pasternak and Braden Point right behind him. Power play points. Though Keith Yandel doing the job there as he's got 16 assists on the power play. You're not going to be surprised to hear that Arizona Coyotes have the the market cornered in terms of overall shorthanded goals. Four for Grabner, three for uh, Brad Richards, and sitting at fifth is La- uh, Lawson Krause. Uh, I want to mention that Cody Eakin and Anthony Sorelli also in that grouping. Shorthanded points, again, Arizona got the market cornered there, as still that group is led by Grabner and Richardson. Overall game winners, Gabriel Landeskog getting a Six of those. Meanwhile, five each for Alex Tuck, Yanni Gord, Jeff Skinner, Elias Lindholm from Calgary, and Connor McDavid. Overtime goals. How about this? Dylan Larkin's three. There's there's a Red Wing leading the charge. Larkin's three. He's got the most overtime goals along with Johnny Goudreau and Jeff Skinner. Each of those guys with three as well. Overall shots per game. Uh, Larkin currently in the top 10 here. He sits at eight, trailing Nathan McKinnon, who's led 145 goal. Jack Eichel's led 142 goal. Sagan with 130. Kane, or 136. Kane with 132. 15 goals to show for it. Ovechkin with 129. 128 for Pastanak. And Jonathan Marchessault as uh, seventh with 127 shots on goal. Let's see who's got the best percentage. How about there's a group of guys that have a goal on a shot, and that's Alan Quinn from Calgary and Jacob McDaniels for Florida. You know what? Let's just leave it there. I love it. I love it. That's great. 
Two guys that have scored on their only shots of the year. Count it. Time on Iceberg game. That's being led right now. Seth Jones and Columbus Drew Doughty. Rasmus Roostelainen. Chris Letang. Ryan Suter. Hampus Lindholm. Shea Weber, who's only played nine games, but is playing over 25 a night. Carlson. Clefbaum over in Edmonton. He's missing. He's the one that just got hurt. Going to miss some time. That's going to hurt that squad. Rossi. Uh, Rossi. That's a combination of Roman and Yossi is Rossi. And John Klingberg, all over 25 minutes a night. Klingberg's only played in six games or 16 games on the year. The leading forward is, how about this? Uh, did I miss McDavid or is it, uh, I want to make sure I didn't miss Connor. I did not. The leading forward in ice time. How many guesses would you have needed to take before you came up with Alex Barkoff in Florida? He's playing 23-13 a night. As he is the top forward in terms of time on ice, Andre Kopitar is second, and Mark Scheifele is third. Connor McDavid fourth, and I would assume Dylan Larkin is not all that much further down the list. Most shots per game, how about Hampus Lindholm, or shifts per game, I should say, 32.4 per game for Hampus Lindholm. Let's see. Well, face-offs, this one I want to get a little bit more. Do we have face-off numbers? We don't. I don't. So we got high face-off winners, but I'm going to say Riley Smith for the King. 75% of the draws he's won with 24 points overall. Uh, let's take a look at rookie scoring um, just to see how much better Elias Peterson is than everybody else. Goals, um, 16 for Peterson. That leads the league amongst rookies. Assists, 18. Peterson, that leads the league amongst rookies. 34 points. Obviously, that's going to lead the league. Plus minus, plus 13. Peterson, penalty minutes, only six. Nowhere near the top. Points per game, 1.7. Peterson, power play goals, four. Ooh, Colin White from Ottawa has got Peterson beat there. Congratulations to him. Power play points. There it is. Elias back up top with 10. Game winners for rookies. Peterson with four. Just remarkable numbers from Peterson. You might as well just give him the call there now. I don't know what we're waiting for. Uh, I don't even know if anybody could make a charge good enough to be able to get him in there. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, though, maybe worth mentioning uh, definitely that he is second in rookie assists with 14, 17 points, playing 20 point or 20, 24 a night. So the youngster, number one overall pick, doing a nice job for the one of the best teams in the East, as weird as that may be to say, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Let's move into the crease here. Goalie stats. Not rookie. Let's go rookie and veteran goalie stats. And we'll take a look at what this season uh, let's see, games played, that has gone to Marc-Andre Fleury. Games started, also Marc-Andre Fleury. He has not had to come in relief. If he's gotten a night off, he's earned the night off is basically what we're looking at there. 19 wins, Fleury two better than Freddie Anderson in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> remarkably, three better than John Gibson in Anaheim, Pika Rene, and Connor Hollibuck, who have 14. Oh, by the way, Louis Domingue also in that group with the 14 wins. Losses, um, least most losses to Corey Crawford as he's got 14, Craig Anderson with 12. 
and let's see here, Devin Dubnik, Sergey Bobrovsky, and Mark Andre Fleury, each with ten losses so far on the year. Let's see who's who's played a lot and has not seen it. How about Linus Olmark from Buffalo? Only one loss so far this year. He's played in eleven games. Get these numbers: eleven games played, eleven games started, six wins, one loss, three overtime losses. It's what you need from a backup, uh, Linus Olmark, who's got the uh, backup duties in Buffalo. Played in eleven games and has had a very respectable season. Thus far, total saves that's going to go to Craig Anderson as he's got over a thousand at 1,003, excuse me, 1,036. Excuse me, that's shots against, I beg your pardon. Saves that is still him as he's made 940 saves. Goals against the most again, Craig Anderson, the least amongst guys that have played significant time. Let's see, Ryan Miller and Cal Peterson have each played 10 games. Jack Campbell in L.A., but now that Quint, uh, Quick is back, you'd expect that number to fall a little bit. Uh, Pika Rennie, only 41 goals against in his 22 games played. Save percentage, let's weed out the backups. Well, Vasilevsky, 14 in 14 games played, 10-3-1 record and a 9-33 save percentage. Oh, by the way, Aiden Hill, who we mentioned, uh, maybe see some more action in Arizona. A 5-3-3 three, and three record. He started 9, or he's played in 9. He started 7. He's 5-3, and three, and he's got a 9-2-6 save percentage with a 1-9-7 goals against average. We mentioned earlier, I, I got to think he's going to see some time in that net for the Senators, uh, or for the Arizona Coyotes as they deal with the injury to Antti Rantanen. Um... Uh, let's see here. Who else are we looking at? Jimmy Howard currently in at 14th with a 922. Uh, that's one spot behind Freddie Anderson's 923. Um, Euro Halak. I mean, really, the, the group above them is mostly backups, except for uh, Vasilevsky and Rene. It's got like Peterson from LA and John Gibson's up there. He's a starter. Halak, who has been the better of the two goaltenders in Boston, but I mean, I still think at the end of the day, you're going to see more Tuka Rask than not. Let's go to the goals against average. Maybe a misleading statistic, but Pika Rennie under two along with Aiden Hill. Those are the only two. Vasilevsky at 220. Uh, Edmonton's Miko uh, Koshinen in 16 games. He's got a 212 goals against average and a 930 save percentage. McElhinney, 2.36 for Carolina. It's worth mentioning as he's played in 11 games. And, you know, Toronto probably, if they would have known that that was his ability, he might have seen more ice time behind Anderson last year. Um... Let's see other names of note: Flurry two point five eight. It's kind of the average is two point five eight, I think. So really, kind of that two five two six is where you expect to see. Brayden Holpe right now is at uh, two point nine with a nine ten save percentage, but he had a rough start. That's kind of starting to work out for him a little bit better. And I believe uh, Jimmy Howard twenty fifth in the league with his uh, two point nine six nine save percentage. Time on ice: Mark Andre Flurry seen the most with Craig Anderson right behind him. Shoutouts, Marc-Andre Fleury has seen the most with Keith Kincaid and Kosanen from Edmonton behind him. And a lot of goalies with one point, but how about two points for Alex Stalock of Minnesota and Corey Crawford of Chicago. Jonathan Quick with six penalty minutes there. One final thing we're going to give to you before we head out. Let's take a look at some of the team stats. This will give you numbers like um, power play numbers. 
uh, who's winning the best power play, who's got the best faceoff percentage. Um, kind of a team, the team numbers here. Uh, NHL.com, like I said, does such a great job really giving uh, just all the stats you could ever want, <laughs> really. Um, let's see here. And I think this should get us what we are looking for game by game. Uh, team. Do we have team? I don't want skater. Show me team. Nope, that's goalie. No, so that's not it. That's I'm going to hit this button. Uh, let's see. I want regular season. I don't really want skater summaries. Uh, run report. Give me the team. Show me team. Oh, nope. <laughs> There's a link called teams. You're going to want to hit that button. Teams is the way to go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. What have the teams done so far this year? Um, obviously, the team leader in wins is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are first in wins. The team with the least amount of wins, Chicago, only with 10 victories on the year. Who would have ever thought that? How about losses? The Kings with the most, as they have lost 20. The least amount of losses to the Lightning was seven. Group of teams with nine include the Jets, Capitals, Sabres, and Avs. Um, you'll be interested to know nobody with a tie. Uh, probably not actually that interested to know. Overtime games. The Devils with seven OT losses, six each for Chicago, Florida, Pittsburgh and Colorado to lead the league. Uh, and the Lightning and Predators, two of the better teams in the league, only have one OT lost. How about we put them all in order in terms of points? Tampa Bay and Calgary, the two best teams currently in the NHL, with Nashville, Toronto, Winnipeg, Boston, Washington, Colorado, Anaheim, and Vegas rounding out the top 10. It's funny, Vegas is in the top 10 in total points in the NHL, but due to the playoff format, they're currently sitting as the second wild card out west. Funny how things work. Um, the most road to Tampa Bay is they've got 23, the least to the Rangers with their nine. Uh, point percentage, Tampa Bay with a 773. Goals four per game. That's the, uh, the Lightning with 132. Flames behind them with 122. Uh, Colorado with 121. Uh, Capitals with 119. 117 for the Leafs, Jets, and Senators also with 117. The problem with the 117 for the for the or the 112 for the Senators is they actually lead in the goals against category as they've given up 132, while the Blackhawks have given up 127. Those are by far the worst. Detroit sits at fifth worst with their 111. Goals against on the good end of it, the Preds have only given up 81, the Bruins 84. 88 for the Islanders and 89 each for the Jets and the Coyotes. 88 for the Islanders. How shocking is that that a team that we wondered who would be playing goal? Yeah, they're ending up doing a really good job defensively. The Rangers have five shootout wins so far on the year. That leads the NHL. Anaheim and Buffalo and Washington each with three. There's a large group of teams that still haven't won in a shootout yet. Shockingly enough, the Blackhawks, one of them, with you think with guys like Kane and Taves, although who's who who's next, <laughs> would have better luck. Uh, Calgary, Toronto, uh, the Avs, San Jose, St. Uh, Columbus, Minnesota, the Stars, not the Minnesota Stars, Minnesota Wild, and the Stars, Ottawa, New Jersey, St. Louis, and Chicago all have not yet won faceoffs. Goal or excuse me, have won shootouts. Goals four per game. The Lightning with four per leads the team or leads the league. 
Other teams over three and a half are Washington, Colorado, Winnipeg, Calgary, and the Maple Leafs. Teams that give up the most, the Senators 3.88, by far the worst in the NHL. Well, it's not actually that by that far. The Flyers 3.74 and the Blackhawks 3.74. Then we start dipping down to the Panthers at 3.55 and the Devils with 3.52. Power play numbers, Winnipeg with the best power play in the NHL that clicks at 30.2%. Colorado is at 29.8, while the Lightning are at 29.3. Florida and Washington and Boston all over 25%. If you're wondering, Red Wings currently sit at 20th with their 18.2%. The worst power play in the NHL, that goes to the Blackhawks at 11.9. Montreal, Philly, the Kings and Preds bring up the bottom four there. Meanwhile, penalty kills Arizona, 88.8. And they are just as likely to score shorthanded as they are to um, give up a shorthanded goal. So they kill off 88.8% of their power plays and they get a ton an absolute ton of shorthanded goals. They lead the league there. Good for Arizona. With uh, Minnesota, San Jose, the Lightning, the uh, and the Lightning really separating themselves. Those teams are at basically 84% and higher. Worst penalty kills in the league, Hawks, Flyers, Kings, Senators, Capitals. How about that? The Capitals, one of the worst penalty kill teams in the league, but they do have one of the best power plays. Shots per game, Carolina, I know they were over 40 for a stretch. They're still at 37.4 shots per game uh, for them. Uh, Florida next with 35, San Jose 34, as well as Montreal with 34. The Devils and Jets round out the top six as they all both have 33. Meanwhile, most teams giving up shots. Ottawa gives up 38 per game. The Ducks give up 35, while the Wings and the Rangers each give up 34 along with the Blackhawks. Stingy teams, well, Carolina, that's just because you're trying to get the puck in the first place, has uh, 27.8 shots per game against Calgary. And the Knights at 28 even, 28.4 for the Preds, and 28.8 for the Sharks. And last but not least, faceoff percentage. We've, you know, I've I've felt it all season. Detroit is currently fifth at over 52%. Flyers, that's the one claim to fame that they have. They are leading the league with 54.8. And then the three between them are the Blues, Preds, and Flames. If you want to win face-offs, then you want to play the Devils, Oilers, Canadians, Avs, and Islanders. They all win less than 48% of their draws. All righty, folks. Pre-Christmas, that tells you pretty much everything you need to know about what's going on around the NHL, who are the league leaders, who's doing what in terms of stats and overall numbers. And we're thrilled to death to bring you all of this. We're going to be out the next two. I'm going to be out the next two for sure. Um, So there will be no in the box on the 23rd or the 30th for the holiday break. We'll be back and talk to you in early January. Hope you've enjoyed the first half of the season as much as we have. And I tell you what, by the time we come back in January, we're going to really know some stuff about some of these teams in the league. Who can get hot? Who can? Who will not? who's really good and who's a pretender, who separated themselves and who hasn't. But uh, until then, folks, I hope you have a very great, safe, and happy holiday. Be safe. Enjoy it. 
eat a lot, and watch a lot of hockey. Signing off for In the Box for the first half of the year, I'm Thomas. Walt says thank you for listening, too. We'll be back after Christmas, after the new year, I should say.